This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. Here, we explore the taboo, less obvious, and paradoxical aspects of society. Questions you think but don't ask. Questions that need nuanced answers, not just Google results. These are the conversations you thought you would never get to have. And the goal? To inspire curiosity over judgment. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. I have to make an apology to all of you because I've been having a blast with listeners in my Facebook group, but have failed to tell you about it here. If you love giving your opinion and getting free stuff, then you'll want to request to join by going to facebook.com slash groups slash MFR Curious Insiders, or, you know, you can just click the, the link in the episode description. This week's episode is a remastered favorite and a topic I know all of you enjoy digging into deconstructing and healing from religious trauma. And although this guest is much more of a comedian than a social commentator, I think you'll find his approach of deconstructing the damage caused by his experience with purity culture to be inspiring. He shared the negative impact of impossible standards, why he was relieved when his wife asked for a divorce, his unusual advice to those also trying to deconstruct from purity culture, and, as he puts it, finding his weirdos. If you end up liking this episode, you'll also like the one I did with a licensed mental health counselor who specializes in helping ex-evangelicals overcome religious trauma. That's episode 191. All right, friends, keep it curious. The teenage years can be awkward, squeaking voices, raging hormones. But imagine your delicate years into puberty also come with apocalyptic consequences if you don't stay pure until marriage. My next guest was raised Jehovah's Witness since he was three when his teenage parents converted. His comically awkward adolescence led him to writing a book, which became the film Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk. Today, he's going to share the extreme side of purity culture and the hilarious, messed up, and beautiful things that came from it. Author, screenwriter, lover of real paper, cafes, and ska, Tony Duchesne. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. What a beautiful intro. How did I get lover of ska? What happened there? What, what Did I do something? You said that randomly in an interview, and I was like, oh. ska. So do you still like ska? Yeah, it, but it's, when I was younger, it changed my life because the, the specials and all these bands, they wore suits and ties. And I had to wear a suit and tie all my life as a dork preaching door to door to all my you know school friends. And I was like, wait a second, I could just wear a suit and tie and be cool. So then I used that and I wore a suit and tie all the time. And I was like, no, I'm in the ska. And then they're like, oh, there's the ska guy, even though I had a Bible in my hand. So that's clever. Did you listen to Christian ska, any five iron frenzy? Oh, no, I'm I, so like we weren't supposed to listen to Christian music because Chris, other Christians were demonized. But we were allowed to listen to certain, you know, clean music. And but I hid a lot of my music tastes from my parents. I just I felt bad for listening to great music. But at the same time, it spoke to me in a weird way. So. That's so interesting that like the the Christian music that was talking about God, that was that was not good. But secular it's music, the wrong God. <laughs> right. Apparently, which is so interesting. I've learned so much about Jehovah's Witness since preparing for this interview and the, the the whole purity culture part of it, you know, I relate to coming up Pentecostal, but I think a lot of my listeners have also come up, even if they're more secular, with the abstinence only kind of sex education approach. So 
I'm curious about <laughs> your coming up that way. Did you ever get like the talk? What did that look like? Like how you said coming up that way after sexual. Um, <laughs> did I ever get the talk? Do you mean the talk about how I was supposed to stay a virgin till I was married? Well, I was thinking more of like where babies come from, but sure. You know, you kind of, yeah, I had to learn that on my own where babies come from. But at the same time, it's just, a, I mean, it's drilled. into. so here's the Jehovah's Witnesses. They just, they bring up sex and fornication constantly. Ever since I was like three years old, I knew that sex was bad. Fornication was bad. Nothing before marriage. So it's three times a week. This is being drilled into us to the point where it's just like, mom, dad, what's fornication? I don't even know what it is until, you know, I don't even know how to do a fornication, but they're telling me not to do it for so long. So the, the abstinence thing is just a given. If you do that, you're going to die at Armageddon, like the rest of the heathens who are listening to Christian ska. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's really interesting because what you're talking about isn't like an abstinence approach. It's almost like a, a stronger prohibition approach where, you know, don't touch this and you don't even know what this is. Right. And then even later on, so, and I'll just give a brief, you know, there's a quick overview of tragedy in my family where my uncle killed himself. My dad had a nervous breakdown. My sister attempted suicide and they were trying to figure out what the sin in our family was. And I had touched boobs and a vagina. So I went and confessed and they were like, oh, that's why Jehovah took his Holy Spirit from your family and your uncle killed himself. And all these things happened was because I touched boobs and a vagina. So that like made it all clear to them. And they're like, oh, now we get the problem. Dude. That so is that's so it's kind of like that much weight and responsibility is put upon what they call immorality. So and that has obviously a huge mental health impact and on your family. And then is your family still in the Jehovah's Witness? A lot of them are. And my parents aren't. And I could. Yeah. But speaking of mental health, do you want me to get my pills? Yeah, get your pills. And show you. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, it impacts you for the rest of your life. And I think what I've been learning as a human is like what impacts me, I just have to learn how to use it for what I enjoy. So, you know, like writing, I got got to write something that was terrible about terrible awkwardness. And that's kind of what's cool about it is it's the human condition. So it's relatable. And here's my little angle on it. And I have to find constructive ways that go, wait a second. Yeah, that's really weird and stupid, but let's make it a story. And a lot of stories are really stupid out there. So why not engage in my stupid story and make it a thing? Exactly. Well, you were, I think in another interview or maybe on your own podcast, you talked about that sort of engagement was kind of your gift. You were able to close the deal on getting people to sign up to do Bible studies with you easier and more effectively than other people in your group. I was really good at it. Yeah. As I was like having doubts, I didn't want to study with anyone and bring them into the Jehovah's Witnesses, but I could set up a Bible study within five minutes and close the deal. And then I would never contact the person again. Cause there's this weird rule in the Jehovah's witnesses where they're like, well, if people are ignorant of the Jehovah's witnesses, they'll make it through Armageddon. And I'm like, well, let them all be ignorant. Why are we telling them all? What, uh, why would we do that to them? So 
that was my weird angle on it. And then, but at the same time, what, so I did practice being a slut for about, you know, six months after I was divorced, you know? And at the same time, I could close a deal with a lady in about five minutes. It was, <laughs> it turned, it turned into this situation where just like, wow, I could get from, yeah, these drinks are fine to naked in 20 minutes. And I'm like, okay, this is, this is power, but I don't like using this power. It feels really weird. And then my also, my problem is if I'm naked with someone, I feel like I'm in a relationship with them. And they're like, no, no, I just want to use you for what you have. And I'm like, but don't you want to go antiquing tomorrow? And they're like, get out of my house. So <laughs> I mean, I realize a problem it, though. <laughs> I think that's really sweet. You know that I, I'm that way too. I'm relationship oriented. Yeah, it was, it was good. It was good to go there and go, oh, okay. This, this isn't really for me. I'm friends with almost every woman I had a one night stand with now for years after I even forget I had one night stands with them. People remind me and I'm all, oh, that's right. We've had sex, but uh, you know, now we're just buds and I roll better that way, I guess. And I wanted um, this, the monogamous dude who went ahead and sewed some oats and got out of the sewing oats and was like, I don't know about oats. I think I want brand. <laughs> so do you think that that part of you came from your upbringing of being Jehovah's Witness and having that more traditional framework for relationships? Or is that just something you think is innate inside of you and would have been there regardless of your upbringing? I don't know. I feel a little of both. I've, I've, over the years, I've gotten into tarot and numerology and other things like that. And from what I've understood about myself and doing like the numbers on my name and date or whatever, I'm very family oriented. And I'm like, kind of, I have this weird family leadership tribe orienting thing that I need. And so I've come to understand I am a person who needs family in my life and I create that family around me. And I've been trying to, and I've been doing that for years without knowing it. And one of my dear friends who taught a numerology class to me, he's, he told me, he's just like, dude, this is, this is you. This just tells the story of you beyond belief because you're the guy that brings people together and you crave I crave a tribe and the Jehovah's witnesses satisfied that craving, but under very strict regulations. So is it the Jehovah's witnesses? Is it me? I don't know. It's probably a little of both. And I think I would have been the same without the Jehovah's witnesses in a way. I might've been even more conservative because after, you know, after I left, I was like, woohoo, everyone does drugs and orgies. Right. And it's just like, so where do, where do I put my keys? How, who do I have sex with? And they, no one showed up and I'm all, Oh, that's not how it works. Oh, people have morals. What? So, oh my gosh, that's so true. Because the the prohibition part of the purity culture that you were around would have made it seem like there are dire consequences if you leave this tribe. Which I w wanted to ask you. You know, you married a Jehovah's Witness girl. It didn't work out. Y'all got divorced. And so you experienced all this freedom, freedom from monogamy, free, freedom from dancing around the rules and pretending to follow them or whatever. Were Other than the unsuccessful one night stands, were there any other areas where you kind of like went off the rails and realized, oh, that's maybe not for me or maybe it is for me? Well, let me tell you, the one night stands were successful. I just, <laughs> I, you know, on, on the uh, sexual part of it, they were successful on the on the, oh, is this life for me? That's not successful. Yeah. No, you know, I've been, I was the anomaly in the Jehovah's Witnesses because I didn't care about what they were talking about. I was like, no sex, no drugs, you know, and whatever. And I'm just like, 
yeah, cool. I like films and I like music and I like books. I was just so into the, the storytelling and I didn't, I didn't even realize why. And I, re- I realized as I get older, oh, I was really into mythology. I'm into the continued creation of mythology of how we tell our stories to other people. And that gets me off beyond belief. And so they can't do nothing to you for that. They're like, oh, you like art. Oh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, well, it better be clean art. And I'm like, yeah, you guys don't even know what books you don't even know the authors I'm reading. It doesn't matter to you. Mm. You don't get it. You know, so they're like, as long as you're not reading demonized Stephen King, I'm like, oh, no, no, no. I'm reading worse occult than that. But you wouldn't even know the names. So I'm getting by. That's so interesting. I I love what you're saying about the storytelling part. I I really enjoyed the relatability of how the story was told in the the movie that was made from your, your book. And I think just my favorite part was when you were preaching with the other girl that you had a crush on and tell our listeners about that because that was just so tender and it's so heartbreaking and so relatable for people who grow up, whether in Jehovah's Witness or whatever else, that is kind of putting an overemphasis on this quote-unquote purity culture. Yeah, uh, that's where, I mean, that short story was the beginning of Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk. And it was about a very real experience with we call them brothers. We're brothers and sisters in the Jehovah's Witnesses. So I'll just use their lingo. It was, an, it was my experience with this sister that I didn't even realize I loved, that I was totally in love with. And it, it came out in therapy in my 30s that I loved her. It's My therapist, that's another story. Because you know how you're supposed to work through all your anger issues and stuff? Yeah, it worked through falling in love, too. Aww. And I was like, and my therapist is like, yeah, all feelings aren't bad, Tony. You know, these things come up. <laughs> it's, it, get on board. But um, there was this one sister that I didn't realize how much of a vibration I had with her. And I, and I would go preaching and to just sit in the, because we have to get into cars and we, you know, they, we, the, not a lot of people had cars because we were all, there's a lot of us underage. So we get smashed in the backseat of a car together. And I would just be next to her with my leg next to hers. And it would mean everything to me. And that five minutes driving to the territory where we were going to preach and I was going to humiliate myself in front of other people from school and stuff. If I sat with her, it made it all worth it. And I would just be like, it would make it worth it for a couple days, you know, and I would call her later and be like, so preaching about Jehovah's pretty cool today, huh? And she'd be like, yeah, it was cool. Like, the, you know, we talked about Jesus and stuff. I'd be like, oh, I know, didn't we? But um, <laughs> it's just, but that was the beginning of. That was the first time I wrote anything and put it out there that I grew up a Jehovah's Witness. That was kind of the the opening for me. 15 years out, or not 15 years, maybe more like five years after I put the, the stamp on it and said, I'm out. And my wife at the time was like, don't tell anybody, please. And I'm like, yeah, it's not like I'm going to do anything different. I'm just not showing up anymore. But um, <laughs> I'm not going to make a film or anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So does the girl know that she's in the movie? Have, have you talked with her or kept in touch with her at all? No, because they're Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, uh, right. A lot of those those characters ended up being composites of other things. It was so the, you know, the original story was her. It was it was the me and her story. And then and then I did get in touch with her though. Cause she and I was still married. And she was married. And I just said, Hey, I gotta ask you a couple questions. You know, this happened and this happened. And I'm and I and this came up in therapy and so we were, t- we just talked not, and I, and she was like, yeah, I was totally in love with you. I didn't Aww. know that you loved me back. And I was like, 
oh my god if you just weren't awful to me i would have been you know there was there was just this constant it just I, the magnetism i re, i figured it out in my 30s and we got to talk about it which was great there was nobody i should have ever ended up with in my life so i'm not it wasn't like a disappointment but it was cool to go wow that really did happen between 13 and 17 and okay, that makes sense. And it was nice to both acknowledge it and just go, cool. And we're, you know, the worst people for each other we would ever be. And so, but it's nice to know that it was good, that, that it, that it was actually real for both of us then when we were young. That's so sweet. And so you ended up marrying another person from the church when you were 25. And then you, as you said, you were like, Hey, I'm not doing this anymore. And it, it didn't work out. Is that why it didn't work out? Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. If you're new here, you may be surprised to know that the beautiful backdrop of my show is not a virtual screen. It's a real place that you can really rent inside of the Pensacola Museum of History. The exhibit space is called Trader John's. It's an old bar in Pensacola whose owner was just as eclectic as this town. And it's perfect for birthdays, work events, award ceremonies, retirement parties, family reunions. So don't pick another boring venue space for your next event. Give the Pensacola Historic Trust your business and make your event super memorable. Learn more at historicpensacola.org. The weather is cooling down here in the southern U.S., and that means it's fire ant season. For those of you not from the south, fire ants are about as pleasant as they sound, and their bites puss up into an itchy red mess that takes forever to heal. I recommend Insect for pest management because I've been using their mosquito service since 2019, and I love that their work is guaranteed. If you're in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give Insect a call. It's E-N-S-E-C dot net. Now back to the show. Remember to stay till the end where I give you a sneak peek of next week's episode. And, well, um, in the end, I believe it didn't work out from the beginning because it was a Jehovah's Witness marriage, which is very different than actual relationships, which I found out later. How? You get thrown together and then everything's about you're going to live forever on Paradise Earth and you're going to become perfect. So even if you have a crappy husband or wife, this crappy husband or wife will become the perfect husband or wife when we get through Armageddon. So it's, everything's just like, stay in your suffering. It's all going to be okay. It's going to work out. And that's kind of the belief system. And I didn't even know I still had it. Like, I think we were like four years into our marriage when I told her, I can't go. And she was like, please come. And I'm like, no, (laughs) but she's like, well, then don't tell anyone. I'm like, all right. And then nine years later, we got divorced, but I was still, I didn't know that I was still under the belief system, even to the nine years, even when we got divorced, I was like, it didn't even dawn on me that I, that we can get divorced because I still had that belief system totally in my DNA. And it was a beautiful thing. She initiated the divorce, which is a you know whole nother story in the Jehovah's witnesses, but I'm so grateful for it. It was just like, Oh wow. Thank you for taking action because I didn't even realize action needed to be taken. That's yeah. Do you have anything that was a tradition from that religion that you kind of still keep in some sort of way or some version of it? Not really. 
I what what I did I did something when I was 20 years old after the elder said, "Oh, so you touched boobies in a vagina." Of course your uncle killed himself and your dad had a nervous breakdown because of what you did, young disgusting man. After that meeting, I left and I freaked out and I I joined a college radio station. And I just started taking radio classes. <clears throat> so I substituted my three nights a week going to the Kingdom Hall, three nights a week going to production studio. And just that kind of became, I had to do something with that time. And that was one of the perfect things for me to do with that time because I'm such a radio guy. <clears throat> I didn't even know you could just take radio classes. I'm like, what? You just sign up? And then you be, can get a air slot after you, you know, after you do time and demo tapes. All you got to do is demo tapes. I, there was no, so that's what I, I, I got, I got suckered back into the Jehovah's Witnesses after that. And they told me to quit the college radio station mm -hmm. and I did, but it was KFJC 89.7 FM, Los Altos Hills. And I'm still friends with most of the people that from the night, the class of 1990 DJing years. And they mean everything to me. And that radio station means everything to me still. And I talked to them and we were all going through so much turmoil in our own lives on so many different levels. So it wasn't just me. I find out what my friends, I never knew what they were going through. And they're just like, oh, if I didn't go there, I would have killed myself because this and this and this was happening. And I found my weirdos at KFJC and I'm all, ah, oh, life is just about finding your weirdos. Now I get it. Oh my gosh. Yes. Can we please make that a t-shirt or something? Life is about finding your weirdos. That's the best quote ever. As oh, cool. Yeah. That's, <laughs> I'll make a t-shirt. Yeah, definitely. Go to, go to life is about, well, well I forgot what I said. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guess what? It's recorded. So we're good. Okay, um, cool. So as we wrap up, I have two questions for you. One is, yeah. <clears throat> excuse me, if, if someone is listening to this and let's say they are kind of working, they're at like where you were at, at the radio station, kind of dazed and confused coming out of this ideology and peeling back the layers of maybe the bad things that are a result of their experience with purity culture. What advice would you give them if y'all were sitting together and, and having a beer at the end of the day? I would want them to have their own, their, their own path. You know, I, I may, I may suggest like some what, what interests me? And I probably talk to them and go, Hey, what interests you in life? And that's about it. I don't, I don't want to get in the way of how they maybe need to stay or maybe need to leave. I found so much more power in the power of kindness that people showed me when they went, <clears throat> when they said, Oh, you have that belief system. Okay. Don't worry about it. And the, my persecution complex didn't kick in. And I was just like, wait, people aren't trying to block me from this. So I would, I guess I wouldn't give them too much advice because I want them to do what they need to do. And I would just tell them what's kind of been fun to me. And I'd be like, so what's fun in your life? And cool that uh, explore that a little more. I don't want to, I, I don't want to push it the other way and go, you need to go out there and have some sex. And I'm talking three times a week. It's just <laughs> like, no, you, you might, it might not work for you that way. And it's okay. Just, 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 Continue to get to know yourself. And I mean, I'm 51 now. I still don't know who the hell I am. I'm continuing to learn. So, if, you know, someone's my age at 19 or whatever. Good for you. Let's just keep on learning. That's all I got. I, I have no definitive answers. 
I but, probably shouldn't be listened to at all. <laughs> I actually kind of like that answer because it's like the unprescription. It's about empowering the person to figure it out on their own, but supporting them through that process. So actually, I really, I really dig that. My last question is, if you had a teenage son um, or a teenage daughter, how do, would you imagine that the talk going or your, you know, the issues and conversations around sex and sexuality. Oh, so if they, you know, if they're like, Hey dad, so what is it? What, what, what do I do when I see a girl naked? Yeah. Like that kind of question. The, those, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, God, I'm not in that situation. I don't know. I think, I think a lot of it is just not, not making them feel ashamed. You, you don't want to make kids feel ashamed. So if they have questions, just be really open. And I think, you know, kids are smart. They're intuitive. And they come up with those questions and you got to answer them truthfully. If you're, if you skirt around any issues, kids know that you're BSing them. And, and I mean, I grew up going, wait a second, you're BSing me. And I would dig into the truth and it would, you know, there were times when I would almost make my mom have a nervous breakdown, but I needed to know the truth. I couldn't have this little gloss over of what's going on. So I think it's really funny. Okay. Thinking about it a little more. I think the kids lead the conversation more than the parents. I think the I think the kids will bring it up more than the parents. And you just go, yeah, what do you need to know, man? This worked for me, this didn't work for me. You know, but it's it's all about respect and you know, mutual love and I guess that's where I would come from is just, you know, be respect and love and go with go with your heart because your heart's going to hurt so bad and that's when it's awesome because then you know you doubt you're doing it right. Seriously, that is the most beautiful thing ever. I don't think you give yourself enough credit. That's I really like that a lot. I'm so glad that you could share your story. And I would love for you to tell the listeners and the viewers where they can see your film and uh, certainly your podcast, anything else that you want to put out there for them to follow up on. Yeah, I think Confessions of a Teenage Jesus Jerk is on Amazon Prime, a couple other places. I don't know what it is outside the United States. And I, I do my podcast drinks with Tony every week. And I, I'm doing this little new thing called the XJW show on YouTube. And I don't know if it's uh, the right thing to do or not, but I just finished episode four. So. Well, that's exciting. Something Sometimes things are just an experiment and those are the best things. They don't necessarily have to be like a formula. So thank you yeah. so much. This was awesome. Great job. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, this is fantastic. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you liked this episode, you'll also like the one I did with a licensed mental health counselor who specializes in helping ex-evangelicals overcome religious trauma. It's episode 191. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a PhD researcher and author who suggests that our brain's default setting is actually unhappiness and why we should embrace it.